Item number two is approval of minutes for the July 12th, 2022 Port Commission meeting. I so move. I second. I need to abstain. There wasn't a commissioner here yet. So we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes unanimously. The minutes of the July 12th, 2022 minutes are adopted. Item number three is public comment on executive session. We will take public comment on executive session. Is there any public comment in the room? If not, Corey will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, Vice President Brandon. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on executive session. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. And at this time, there are no members of the public on the phone wishing to make public comment on this item. Thank you, Corey. Public comment is closed. Carl, next item, please. Item number four is executive session. There's one executive session item conference with real property negotiator as agendized. So move. Is there a second? Second. We have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes unanimously. We are now in closed session.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
Devices, the ringing and use of cell phones and similar sound-producing electronic devices are prohibited at this meeting. Please be advised that a member of the public has up to three minutes to make public comments on each agenda item unless the Port Commission adopts a shorter period on any item, and public comment must be in respect to the current agenda item. The Commission will take in-person public comment first and then remote public comment on each item. For public comment, please dial 1415-655-0001 and enter access code 2490-423-4118-POUND. During each public comment period, our moderator will instruct you to dial star three to be added to the queue for that particular item, and an audio prompt will signal when it's your turn to comment. If you're watching this meeting streaming on SFGov TV, there's a short broadcasting delay. So when you would like to comment, please dial in when the item is announced and then mute your device and listen only through your telephone, which has no delay. And that brings us to item eight, public comment on items not listed on the agenda. Thank you, Carl. We will now take public comment on items not listed on the agenda. Is there any public comment in the room? Seeing none, Corey will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, Vice President Brandon. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on items not listed on the agenda. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. And I'm opening the line right now. Uh, and then they stopped. So, at this time, there are no members. Hang on a second, they're back. Okay, open the line now. Hi there, my name is Brian Burke. I just wanted to let the council know that the Alcatraz um, city, city Cruises crew is going through unionization efforts with IBU. Thank you. Okay. And I would like to read our section seven letter uh, to the council if time allows. Okay. All right, great. Um, this letter was addressed to Michael Burke, Hornblower Group VP, COO of Park Services and Concessions, and also CC'd our own Assistant General Manager, um, Antoinette Cespine of Alcatraz City Cruises. So Hornblower Group owns the Alcatraz City Cruises uh, contract with NPS in the Alcatraz Island. It also has created an LLC that um, operates out of Pier 33. So that's the background information, right? And the letter starts off, we represent the organizing committee of our union at Hornblower slash Alcatraz City Cruises. We are writing to request that you formally recognize our union. Um, we're working with Inland Boatman's Union of the Pacific, known as IBU. Each day we provide quality services to the tourists and residents of the greater San Francisco Bay Area. 
Not only do we safely transport thousands of people from around the world to one of the most iconic historical symbols of the Bay Area, but we maintain all maritime operations, boat and land side. We clean the facilities. We train new hires. We serve guests. We safely transport fuel and waste and water, fresh water. And we have done this during a change in ownership, during a pandemic, during fires, and during rising costs to living. With our union, we will work to create a workplace that is collaborative and supportive while setting high standards for training, worker retention, wages, and safety. We look to standardize pay that reflects years of service as well as attract new recruits. We will strive for reliable and respectful work schedules that create meaningful stability to our working and personal lives. Lastly, we want to collaborate on proper and timely training that will ultimately lead to higher safety standards and greater respect for our coworkers and our profession. With this letter, we are submitting an outline for recognition through a third-party mediator. This mediator will compare our support cards with the employee list for a full-time and part-time workers in the following departments, marine operations, engineering, maintenance, food and beverage, guest service, tram driver, and group services department. We ask that you accept or reject this Thank you, Brian, your time's expired. If you Friday, want to... Hey, Brian, thank you, your time has expired. If you want to send me yes. the rest of the letter, um, I can include it in your record. Thank you. Thank you for your call. Madam, Madam <clears throat> Chair, I'm not sure what the beef is. I mean, now how, how do we deal with this? I gotta wait and re, read this letter. In other words, there is a beef with the workers and somewhere on the port, and it's not clear to me exactly what the, uh, what the beef is, what the holdup is. Is there failure to negotiate, failure to have a mediator, arbitrator, or what? Or how do we get this issue before us? Is he still on the it's line? Kind of a rhetorical question, I is guess. He's still on the line. Yes, he's still on the line. Do you want me to? Right, yeah, we. I, I mean, you know, we're talking about a potential labor dispute, and what's the status of whatever? So, uh, is, Commissioner I mean, Burton, I, I came late. Does does the staff know what the person was talking about? Commissioner Burton, this I'm is, sorry, it's not on the agenda, so we can't discuss it. But can we ask a question? Would you we like me to open it up again? Well, I don't know. Or how Michelle? do we get it? Yeah. I mean, I'm interested in the issue. I mean, don't have to deal with it today. How do we get it on the agenda so all of a sudden we don't read in the paper that there might be a union strike? Commissioner, I believe they're trying to form a union with that particular operator. With Horn So what Horn. we'd like to do is obtain the letter, distribute it to all of you, and we can work with the officers to agendize it at a future meeting, if that makes sense. So, if, if I, Madam Chair, uh, so it's a it's a property that is not it's not organized by the inland boatmen's. Currently, that operator, um, uh, City Cruises or Hornblower, is not uh, affiliated with Inland Boatmen's Union. They're affiliated with any labor organization. They've always been a problem, Hornblowers, I recall. My understanding. The last time I was engaged in this subject is that they are totally non-union. Mm -hmm. 
okay, so either we're, are we, how do we proceed, or? I don't know offhand. Um, I would like to get a copy of that letter as well okay. and understand yeah, better about what cool. we do. Thanks. Sorry, so we, so we can put that under new business for further discussion. Agreed. That'll be our new business. Thank you. Corey, are there any other callers on the line? At this time, there are no other members of the public on the phone wishing to make com uh, take that back. Somebody just showed up. Sorry. Opening up the line now. You're on. Hey there. Oh, hi. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Hi there. Uh, my name is um, Evan McLaughlin. I'm actually the, uh, the Northern California organizer for the International Longshore Warehouse Union, um, the union that that workers at Hornblower Alcatraz Cruises are um, working to join right now that Brian was talking about. Just wanted to clarify right now, we just want to make the commission aware that right now workers are indeed organizing to try and get better wages and conditions. Um, want to make sure the, the commission is aware of what's going on. We are right now um, in the process of getting an NLRB election, um, and we're hoping that, you know, uh, Hornblower, you know, remains a lawful and respectful employer um, and, you know, works with us collaboratively to, to get a contract and to get better working conditions. But at this time, we just want to make the commission aware of what's going on. Um, we are happy to send a copy of that letter and uh, any other information that might be helpful to make sure that um, the commission understands and is aware of what's happening. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much. It would be helpful. Thank you. <clears throat> OK, at this time, there are no other members of the public on the phone wishing to make public comment on this item. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Carl, next item, please. Item 9A is the executive director's report. Good afternoon, uh, Vice President Brandon, commissioners, port staff, and members of the public. I am uh, Michael Martin, the assistant port director, sitting in today for our executive director, Elaine Forbes. Um, and I'm uh, here to deliver this report on her behalf. Uh, today, Director Forbes and I are proud to welcome Stephen Lee to the Port Commission. Uh, Commissioner Lee is rep replacing Gorimu Ho, who served on the Port Commission from 2011 to 2022. We are lucky to have Commissioner Lee's decades of hospitality and entertainment industry experience. He is the owner and operator of numerous successful restaurants and nightclubs in Chinatown. He has been a passionate advocate for hospitality and entertainment entrepreneurs, including service on the California Music and Culture Association and the San Francisco Entertainment Commission. Uh, and this experience and this focus will be greatly beneficial to the port and uh, all of its business. So welcome, Commissioner Lee. Thank you. Uh, moving to economic recovery, port staff have worked extraordinarily hard this year to recover and grow our business operations. And today we are seeing real glimmers of hope for our bottom line as we see more and more people return to the waterfront to gather, celebrate, eat, drink, and enjoy all that we have to offer. I'm excited for port staff to report out on our financial status and our more innovative uh, upcoming economic milestones for the organization in September and October. And after much anticipation, we will welcome the historic ferry boat Klamath back to our waterfront later this month. The Klamath was part of the economic prosperity of the waterfront in the past and will continue to be today. It has a long history in our city. The vessel was built in San Francisco by the Bethlehem Shipbuilding Corporation in 1924. 
It was one of many original ferry boats that would transport people and cars across the region by water. Between 1850 and 1939, there were 120 ferry boats in operation on San Francisco Bay. Today, the Klamath is one of just five of that number that can be accounted for. So we are very happy that this treasure has been restored and will be ready this month for public enjoyment. It will be docked at Pier 9 and will be the Bay Area Council's headquarters, a conference center, and will be open to the public to enjoy. The Bay Area Council continues preparations to ready the site for the Klamath's arrival and the port is excited for her return to the San Francisco waterfront to once again contribute economically to our city and welcome more people to the waterfront in new and creative ways. Turning to equity, I want to highlight our support and mentorship for San Francisco youth. The port's 2022 summer interns have been hard at work with port staff learning what it takes to oversee the San Francisco waterfront. I'm proud to have such an inspiring group of high school students and young adults with us for our 2022 summer internship program. Our interns have been working on some very important projects. Port staff have guided and mentored our interns to create maps of construction sites so that the organization can track changes before and after construction, review and update a database of signage and interpretive art on port property to ensure a current visual record, assist Hyde Street Harbor staff to review and record various dock maintenance needs, create a directory of organizations with black, Latino, and indigenous populations for outreach purposes, and many, many more vital tasks. As this program concludes this month, we wish, wish all of our interns the best of luck in their future endeavors. They are an inspiration to us all. We are also continuing to provide tours of the waterfront to underserved youth. Every decision we make for our waterfront is a decision to better serve our future generations. And next week, we'll provide a tour of the Mission Bay Area to engage with our youth on the resilience challenges we face and the strategies we're taking to meet those challenges. That presents a, a nice segue to our next section, resilience. Resilience has and will continue to be in integrated into all aspects of the port's operations. Director Forbes is looking forward to adding resilience updates to her regular reports to the Port Commission going forward. At this time, several resilience my milestones have been achieved this year, and port staff, Director Forbes and I have, re have reported out on many of them. To recap, in January, Speaker Pelosi announced $5 million for new funding to secure completion of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers San Francisco Waterfront Coastal Flood Study, and indeed that, the expansion of that study to a, a much larger effort. The, the flood study creates an important path forward for port projects to be considered for future federal investment. Next, the launch of the Living Seawall Pilot in April is part of the port's commitment to engineering with nature. The port is honored to have the Smithsonian Environmental Research Center as partners in this important effort. In June, the work of the Waterfront Resilience Program earned recognition at the 2022 Flood and Coastal Excellence Awards hosted in Telford, United Kingdom. The, the Waterfront Resilience Program was highly commended, a distinction awarded to nominees who performed strongly in the category for international excellence. We are proud to be honored with the United States Army Corps of Engineers for the work we are completing in partnership to protect the port's waterfront and the city from flooding. Port staff look forward to briefing the commission on the Embarcadero early projects uh, development in September, as well as the draft waterfront adaptation strategies highlighting port-led city line of defense work in October. Next, I'll provide a brief update on the SFMTA's Embarcadero Enhancement Program, some of the evidence of which you can see outside today. Port and SFMTA staff plan to provide a full report to the Port Commission in the fall, 
But in the meantime, here are some highlights that we're seeing before us. The Embarcadero Enhancement Program Quick Build Project is providing traffic and curb management changes in the central Embarcadero between Folsom Street and Broadway to improve safety for all Embarcadero users. The Quick Build Project has included a new two-way bikeway along the Embarcadero from Folsom Street through the Ferry Building area to Broadway. The updates preserve commercial and patron access adjacent to port tenants and expand loading and taxi zones on the water side of the Embarcadero, while on the city side there are new bus zones and accessible parking. The project includes, improves two of the least safe intersections on the Embarcadero, Embarcadero at Washington Street and at Broadway. The project enhances access between the waterfront and city side neighborhoods in these locations to create safer streets. It also includes a project evaluation and a public awareness education plan, which is critically important to encourage proper travel and traffic behaviors along the Embarcadero, as well as a comprehensive update to signage along the roadway and promenade. The newly installed wayfinding and regulatory signage directs all wheeled device users into the bikeway and in doing so seeks to limit e-scooters and e-bicycles use of the promenade. Next steps for the program are the following. This week, SFMTA parking control officers will be on the promenade during commute hours to direct e-bike and e-scooters to use the new bikeway and to be ambassadors of appropriate use of the promenade. SFMTA will be providing project evaluation regarding how behavior has changed compared to pre-project conditions. The evaluation will include changes to in vehicle travel time, percentage of users using bikeway versus promenade, and traffic compliance for all modes. As mentioned earlier, SFMTA will be back before the Port Commission this fall for a more detailed discussion and feedback from the Commission. In closing, I, we want to thank you, Commissioners, for your steadfast commitment to ensure an economically viable, equitable, and resilient and sustainable port. But before I close, I do want to say that Director Forbes and I, and really all of port staff, are so happy to congratulate our very own Vice President on a huge milestone. Commissioner Brandon, congratulations on 25 years of service to the Port Commission and the City, of San, City and County of San Francisco. Commissioner Kimberly Brandon was appointed to the Point Port Commission by Mayor Willie Brown in August 1997, making her the Port Commission's longest serving commissioner. She is also the first African American woman to serve on the San Francisco Port Commission. Director Forbes and I could spend the whole day talking about all the Port has accomplished in that quarter century under Commissioner Brandon's leadership, to get together with Port staff, our partners, and our stakeholders. But what Director Forbes and I really want to highlight is how extraordinarily generous Commissioner Brandon has been with her time and responsiveness to the public in particular, not just here at these Port Commission meetings, but always in the community. In fact, it was Commissioner Brandon who spearheaded the formation of what we now know as the Southern Advisory Committee, which was intended to ensure that the southeastern waterfront communities were engaged in development planning affecting their neighborhoods and she has promoted equity in hiring and contracting to ensure the port leads the way in representation of our diverse city. Commissioner Brandon, thank you for your, bringing your perspective fully and richly to the Port Commission. We are thankful for your leadership and look forward to many more years ahead. Happy 25th anniversary. Um, if you'd step down, we'd like to give you a small token of our appreciation, and with that, that will conclude the Executive Director's report. Thank you, Mike. Oops. Make sure you report that. <laughs> Twenty-five years. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible.
Mike, thank you so much for your report. When you said quarter of a century, that made me feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Madam Chair. Yes, Commissioner Burton. Yeah, I was struck by something in the report about the, quote, public awareness of program. Now, that responsibility is that of MTA or whose? Correct. MTA is uh, using its parking control officers to assist in uh, informing the public as ambassadors along the Embarcadero. What's that mean? Um, Give you a ticket, move on, what? Uh, I don't believe it's a ticket. I think it's an education campaign at this point to see if behaviors can be modified in that ma manner. And then as part of their report and their full discussion with you, they'll talk about what further strategies may be pursued if uh, the behavior isn't moving in the direction they want it to. Because we, we, okay, so, so basically MTA is going to come back to us. Correct. Port staff and MTA will be presenting um, of this fall to you, and we'll also, we uh, recall the Port Commission's desire to understand what additional regulatory steps could be taken, and that discussion will happen at that time as well. MTA, I have very little confidence in them. However, I have a lot more in the new person than I did in Ed Reskin, who I like, but uh, felt like he could do anything he wanted when he wanted without telling anybody. Thanks for that information. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Great report. We will now take public comment. Is there any public comment in the room? If not, Corey will provide instructions now for remote participants. Thank you, Vice President Brandon. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on the Executive Director's report. Please dial star 3 if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star 3 if you wish to make public comment. Disappeared. Oh, there she is. Okay. There is somebody on the line now? Okay. Please open the line. It's open. Good afternoon. Can you hear me? Yes. Elaine. Good afternoon. Can you hear me? Yes. Excellent. Yes. This is Elaine Forbes, support director. <laughs> Thank you. And I wanted to have an opportunity to comment on Commissioner Brandon's 25 years of serving support. I was reflecting on her years, all providing policy direction and director encouragement and accountability to a huge evolution of the waterfront, which is a great transformation that she's overseen. And I was reflecting on how exactly she knew to spur the organization to develop and implement a really great resiliency program and an equity program with big goals. So we're ready for this future and more durable. And I believe she was able to know that these critical programs needed to start and needed to start strong because she has seen literally thousands of agreements over 25 years and projects, plans, and policies, and has contributed so much to guiding staff to our best results. So I want to thank her for her innovation and knowledge of what the port needed to do and seizing the moment for the port organization. 
Now, who is Commissioner Brandon? She is completely dedicated to transparency, and our organization operates with the highest standards of transparency and excellence. She is also very loyal to our partners and loyal to staff in seeing the work through. She makes huge public contributions um, that are very wide-ranging, not just for the port, but for many, many, many public institutions. She has dedicated her time, and she is an amazing public servant. She also mentors people, including me. Uh, she has many people under her wing that she encourages to do their best and to move forward and take risks and opportunities. She also has a huge contribution in the community and has so, so many friends. She is a good friend to have so many friends, and she is an excellent friend of the port. She is a strong leader for the port, and she has guided us through so many good and challenging waters, and I thank her so much for her contribution and look forward to more years um, with Commissioner Brandon with her wisdom and expertise. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine. Feel better. Thank you. <laughs> At this time, there are no other members of the public on the phone wishing to make public comment on this item. Thank you, Corey. Public comment is now closed. Commissioner Gilman. Thank you, Vice President Brandon. Before I make some comments on the director's report, um, and particularly because uh, President Adams was unable to be here today, on behalf of the commission, we want to congratulate you on your 25 years of service to the port. As one of the newer commissioners, I need to say your guidance, your mentorship, and your support of me has been phenomenal. A word that you like to use a lot, phenomenal, because of your belief in this city, in this port, and in particular, your diligence over your career here at the port, your public service, of really elevating and supporting both equity, but the southeast waterfront. You are one of the main reasons the port has lived up to its obligations to the southeast sector of the waterfront, which previously in its heyday was industrial shipping and manufacturing. From Crane Cove Park to Pier 70, you've helped it be, um, become a thriving area for the neighborhood. You oversaw the renovations of this iconic ferry building and director transition. I really want to thank you for all of your support of me as a commissioner, of the commissioner as a whole, and also to really highlight the work you've done to ensure that the millions and millions and millions of contracting that we do as an entity here at the port both have transparency and always ensures that our LBE partners, our equity partners, our San Francisco-based small businesses led by individuals of color have a seat at the table and have access to those funds. I just wanted to thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Madam Chair. Yes, Commissioner. Brown. Well, <laughs> Everett's little girl. <laughs> that makes me feel that way. It was Kimmy's birthday. <laughs> it's terrible to see people you knew at a certain age to grow up and become such leaders in the, that you have and that your parents are justly proud of you and what you've done. Thank you. Thank you very much. I got one, thanks. Even though I'm a newbie, uh, it's a pleasure uh, sitting next to you, and I'm going to learn a lot from you. And, you know, 25 years, I won't stop at 10. 
<laughs> so now I got four more years. I'm going to learn from uh, the best, I guess. So congratulations. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I was, this is all totally unexpected, <laughs> and I really appreciate it. I feel so honored to be able to serve with so many amazing people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, go ahead, Commissioner Gill. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's, it's, um, I just wanted to say a couple of things. Um, I want to say how excited I am that the Klamath is coming later this month um, and how innovative the Bay Area Council was to revive this vessel and bring it back to the waterfront. We discussed it um, pre-pandemic and during the pandemic to hammer out those details, so how excited I am to see that happen. I want to thank Le Leader Pelosi for the $5 million for the Resiliency Fund. We need all the support we can get at the federal level and anyone on the commission who helped facilitate that as well. Um, I did I did want to just remind staff this is probably for under new business. Um, I do know because it will be a complex, I believe, and long agenda item um, that when SFMTA comes back, I know we'll be looking at how we're going to reconfigure lanes, signage for e-scooter vehicles, which will fully form sorry, fully are part of the um, SFMTA preview to have come into the street. But I do believe we, because it's our jurisdiction for how a promenade is used, we still need to look at our own policies and procedures for non-electric vehicles such as skates, mm. um, skateboards, and bicycles. Because as we've seen tourists flood back to at least the northeast waterfront, um, and as someone who patronizes it often, we are still having a lot of um, competing uses um, on our promenade, um, particularly on the weekends. And so I hope either as a separate discrete item, not wrapped up with how we're reconfiguring lanes, we can discuss that um, at the Port Commission. New business. We'll add it to the list. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Gilman. Commissioner Lee? No, no comment. Great report. Thank you. Commissioner Burton, anything else to add? No comments. Thank you. Again, everyone, thank you so much. I, I, I don't know how, but I actually forgot that it's 25 years this month. <laughs> <laughs> so I really want to thank you for acknowledging it. And it's just been a true experience over the last 25 years to just see the transformation of this beautiful waterfront and to work with so many wonderful people in the staff, and I think I've served with maybe, what, 15, 20 commissioners during my 25 years, and they just keep getting better. So, Commissioner Lee, welcome. Thank you. We are uh, so happy to have you here to serve with us, and, and your hospitality and small business expertise will definitely help us. So we're the help. <laughs> help you guys. Thank you. Um, I look forward to the Klamath, to receiving and viewing the Klamath. I think that's going to be a great addition to the waterfront. Regarding the interns, I had the opportunity to meet one of them at the Mission Rock Park groundbreaking. Very, very nice young woman, and I, I'm sure we had a great group of interns here this summer. So thank you so much for supporting that program. Um, resilience. It's great to see that uh, the Army Corps has expanded their study and that's really going to help us with our future development and revitalization 
of the entire waterfront, and it's great to have them as a partner. I really want to thank everyone for working with them so closely and continuing to bring greater support to the port. Um, what else? SFMTA Quick Bills. I'm definitely looking forward to hearing their evaluation of the restructuring of the Embarcadero and how that's going. And I agree with Commissioner Gilman that we still need to discuss the wheeled uh, um, skates, bicycles, the whole deal that are definitely still competing on the promenade. And so I do think that we need to look at that and because it's a promenade, but it's also a sidewalk. So we got to figure it out so that we don't have uh, so many pedestrian incidents on the Embarcadero. Uh, thank you so much for your report. It was a great report. Carl, next item, please. All right, item number 10 is the consent calendar. 10A requests approval of a resolution adopting findings under state urgency legislation to allow certain members of this body to attend meetings remotely during the COVID-19 emergency and continuing to allow certain members to attend remotely for the next 30 days. 10B requests approval of a proposed fiscal year 2022 through 2023 monthly rental rate schedule, monthly parking stall rates, and special event rates, known as the parameter rates. That would be resolution 2241. And 10C requests approval of a proposed lease amendment with Golden Gate Scenic Steamship doing business as Red and White Fleet for a temporary reduction in rent during two six-month periods from November through April during fiscal years 2021 through 2022, and 2022 through 2023. That's resolution 2242. I so move. Second. Thank you, we have a motion and a second. We will take pu public comment. Is there any public comment in the room? Seeing none, Corey will provide instructions for our remote participants. Thank you, Vice President Brandon. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on the consent calendar. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. At this time, there are no members of the public on the phone wishing to make public comment on this item. Thank you, Corey. Public comment is closed. We have, we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Aye. The motion passes unanimously. Resolution 2240, 2241, and 2242 are adopted. Carl, next item, please. Item 11A is an informational presentation on a pilot program through the Treasurer and Tax Collector's Office to support access to capital for local business enterprises known as LBEs. Jerry, you're advancing slides? Or do I do it? I do it here? Okay. Hello, everyone. Uh, good afternoon, Commissioners. My name is Stephanie Tang, and I'm here to discuss this information item about the Pilot Micro LBE Credit Capacity Program. I'm joined today on the line um, via, via the phone with a key partner with this program, Tejal Shaw. 
Tejal is the Chief Assistant Treasurer with the Treasurer and Tax Collector, and we are really delighted to have her and her wonderful team, especially Nicole Agbayani and her department engaged on this program. Uh, thank you, you've been really invaluable to this process. I'm here today with this item as this is a follow-up about actions the Port Commission has already taken around the strategic direction as it relates to small businesses and certified local business enterprises. And it's fitting, this item is on an anniversary for um, Vice President Brandon as this is an item that she helped spearhead and champion. The Port Commission adopted through its strategic plan equity and specifically the item to develop partnerships with lo a local bank to establish new lines of credit for LBEs as a item. And then this item's also reflected in the racial equity action plan in item 9.1 to establish a long-term loan program to support port-related LBEs and their access to capital. During the pandemic, the port also took action with the short-term LBE micro-emergency loan and relief program. As I believe uh, Director Forbes mentioned in a previous meeting, all that money has been fully expended and a majority of those loans were issued to LBEs that are identified as uh, black and brown owned businesses. To implement the strategic plan, the port has convening with all the various city and community stakeholders that we are leveraging the expertise to, to look at what our strategic direction should be. A key partner in this initiative is the treasurer and tax collector for city lingo, we call them TTX. And TTX has the authority for the city to engage in banking relationships. They manage $14 billion in city and county funds and recently renegotiated the banking relationships on behalf of the entire city. I believe there are five financial institutions who the city is now doing our banking with. TTX is not just our banker, but they are also the authority advancing many of the city's equity initiatives, in particular, the Financial Justice Project, the Office of Financial Empowerment, and the Kindergarten to College Program are examples of other initiatives that TTX is also working on to make sure that our money is being used in strategic values that also advance equity and other values we have as a city. TTX will be the lead city entity in this program. I'm delighted that they are already engaging other city departments to understand how we can have a potential impact to expand not just the port dollars, but how can we do this perhaps on a citywide basis as well. Let's turn to our approach. As we looked at what we wanted to do, we had to understand what already exists within the community and programs the government was already running. You can see before you, there's a number of different programs that are being done at the federal, the state, and the city county level. In particular, there's many loan guarantee programs. Um, there are, at the city level, revolving loan programs. There's also the contractor accelerated payment programs. There's all these, there's a, there's a vast network of different programs that exist. And as the port and TTX were considering our approach, we had to ask ourselves, with a million dollars, what should our approach be? And is there, is there an unmet need? So as we, as we move forward, I wanted to fill you in on not just what we're gonna do, but the strategy of why we're doing it this way. First, the port in conversation with OEWD and other stakeholders identified an unmet need and what we see as being a gap in its existing programs. There are a lot of loan programs and these are wonderful and useful and valuable, but many small businesses don't actually want a loan. What they want is to be able to have access to working capital for short-term needs. And we heard that, I, um, I see Commissioner Lee nodding, yeah. That's what we heard from many small businesses. 
we also didn't see many what we would call kind of entry level products, you know, kind of short term things that people could access on a kind of a revolving level. And when we saw this, you know, if you're a small business, what do you do if you have an invoice that's taking longer to get paid, but you still have to pay your bills? So how are you kind of floating and managing your money? Um, and that is kind of what we heard over and over from the small business community. And we didn't see that kind of program available in what in the previous slide with the kind of loan programs. The other thing we really heard from the community and we saw during the PPP uh, program is that small businesses need a relationship to a bank. You need a banker. Your banker needs to know you. They need to be, they need to have a relationship with you. And we think that many of the programs that exist with uh, CDFI, like the kind of financial institution we use for the emergency loan program, are really wonderful programs. But CDFIs loan other people's money. And that's where we thought, hey, is there a way in which we could do something where on a policy level, banks are lending their money, not our money? And that was another kind of key initiative about wanting to explore a non-CDFI type product and working with a bank. We think this, this is uh, having a program, having CDFI programs that the city runs and the federal government runs are valuable, but how do we create a clear wave and what is the connective tissue between all these different programs? And that's where we saw a relationship with the bank as being really valuable. Finally, we wanted to figure out how we maximize our impact. How do we do this with the city as a overall and not just our department? And how do we use our various city departments and having greater impact? And that's where this partnership with TTX is really, really valuable. This pilot is a kind of test of our concept of larger initiatives and perhaps hopefully this is something, if it works, we might be able to do on a larger level. So that's kind of the a program approach of why we came to this approach. We, I could have been here two years ago if I said, we can do a CDFI program, we can loan the money out. What we really wanted to do was make sure that we were filling a strategic, a strategic place that had value for the business community. So this is our concept. The concept for the program is that the borrowers, this would be for certified LBEs who have a contract, a subcontract, or are a tenant. The lender is the bank. It's the bank's money that we're lending. What it would be would be a $50,000 line of credit per borrower. The port would back basically be a guarantee for the funds. Um, we would put a, have a million dollars and the money would be held by the financial institution. Part of the reason why we think the money being held by the financial institution is that they can do a little bit better in the interest rates and whatnot when we structure it that way. The line of credit would be for 12 months and they would requalify every year and we're thinking for three years. And one of the requirements is that we wanna make sure that people are using this, taking money, returning it back, taking money, returning it back. And that's the idea of you need to re retain once after your first draw, you need to be putting the money back so that you're really getting used to this concept of revolving the funds. And for, you would have to maintain you know, a zero balance for 30 days in the first year. We don't know the interest rate because that's something that we will be putting out in the RFP. How would you qualify for the program? I've put some of the qualification carriers, qualifications here. Um, you would have to be a micro LBE. You would have to have a business license. Many of these items are things that in general, if you were trying to get a loan from a bank that they would ask you have to be in business, you need a history. Um, you can have a history of or pending legal action, financial crime. We also need to know that you have funds to possibly pay this back. So that's related to the underwriting debt service ratio. And then you also have to have a minimum credit score at 640. We did 
discuss this with um, folks in terms of understanding, is this reasonable? And we think this is the right level of rigor, but not too onerous. As I mentioned, this would be, you could participate for multiple years. And in order to maintain participation, I've already mentioned the zero balance for 30 days. You also have to have a continuing relationship with the port. Um, so if your contract is over, you know, we can't lend you money forever. That's part of the idea of the, the requalification. But then also, the small bank is going to be, this small business is going to be working with the bank. So the bank is going to observe their fiscal practices. And are there things that are, you know, yellow flags, red flags for them as a business? And then finally, you'll have to do documentation to ensure that you can maintain participation. This slide sets forth some of our thinking and how we're looking at the impact of our proof of concept during the pilot. Ultimately, we want to know, is this, is this making a difference? So for the small business, is there an improvement in your credit score? Are you able to get more credit? What's your total working capital before and at the end? What are your gross receipts? Are they, are they getting larger? Are you able to participate in more public sector contracts? And then are you hiring more people? Are you able, when you increase your headcount locally, that's all part of the economic ideas that we think is, um, is important for this program. The port is excited to have our partnership with TTX as we're going to understand there's going to be things that we don't know about some of our criteria, stringency, relationships with the bank. Um, but that's part of the exciting thing of doing something new is identifying what those unknowns are and tweaking and improving the program as it goes along. So what happens now? TTX is finalizing the RFP. This includes evaluation criteria, such as things as the interest rate, small business services, those types of things. We're going to advertise this to the 50 banks in the San Francisco Federal Reserve. The banks will compete on the various terms, and then we'll initiate a pilot program. Um, I imagine that I will be coming back to Port Commission or through written briefings to let you know, hey, how are things going? Is it working? Is the money being used? And so that you can be updated as to how, what's actually happening during the course of the life of the program. And with that, that concludes my presentation, and I look forward to our discussion. Thank you, Stephanie. <coughs> Let's open it up for public comment. Is there any public comment in the room? If not, Corey will provide instructions now for our remote participants. Thank you, Vice President Brandon. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on item 11A. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. And there is one person on the line. Please open the line. Okay, opening now. My name is Francisco de Costa. And all through the pandemic, small businesses in San Francisco have suffered. And while the city and county of San Francisco received millions of dollars from the federal government, they did injustice to small businesses that mostly needed some help. Now, if you 
attend the virtual meetings as I do and uh, you are participating in the meetings with the small business that is affiliated to the city and county of San Francisco, they'll tell you that they don't get themselves involved in uh, a program such as has been presented by this presenter. Do you know that the Port Authority, which is an enterprise department, and I have been attending the meetings for a long, long time, even before one of the commissioners who may be there for 24, 25 years, even before her. In my opinion, as long as you have a person like Duane Jones working closely with the port, you are suspect. And I know small businesses and even I would say middle businesses, meaning who do business up to about $20 million, who do not want to have anything to do with the port. And I'll be frank, those of y'all who know me, I'm a straight shooter. And you know that more and more people, about four or five middle management, have jumped from your enterprise department. This pilot models of projects are very Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Takrafta. Are there any other callers? At this time, there are no other members of the public on the phone wishing to make public comment on this item. Thank you, Corey. Public comment is now closed. Commissioner Lee? Um, <clears throat> yeah, this, this program actually is really good timing because, you know, um, with the ports, of, you know, backing, a lot of banks won't, you know, give us loans, you know. I mean, during pandemic, we suffered a lot. And especially in the entertainment industry, we were the first to close and the last to open. Still had to pay rent and no assistance until finally PPP came out, but then there's only so much. Um, there was a supply, cash flow is, is key, right? And sometimes, but you have to pay your employees and you have to pay your employees first before you can pay your invoices. And that's where cash flow, because of COVID, it was a, always an issue of getting the cash flow. So this um, $50,000 as a credit line not only helps the business, but also that business that doesn't have the credit or the straw backing to develop their credit. So that's why I kind of really support and applaud this issue because it really helps, especially right now. There's, a, you know, I walked to, today, I walked the pier and everything and see the comeback. And it is summertime, but what, what happens in September when people are back in school 
and cash flow is going to be kind of suffering a little bit. This loan is going to come in handy, and, and hopefully they will be able to, you know, pay their credit and pay down and also build up their credit, and then they won't need the port support to continue their business. So I applaud this, uh, this program, and thank you so much for, for doing this. So you got my support on this one. Thank you. Commissioner Gilman? Um, thank you so much for this report. It's so nice to see this come forward. You know, this is one of the things, one of the last things that Commissioner Wuho wanted to see us do is do this partnership and do it wider with the rest of the city because um, we're not a banking entity. Um, I just, I'm fully supportive. I just want to suggest, if, if I may, um, since you will be issuing an RFP and advertising it for banks, I would hope that we would give um, incentive for credit unions to be looked at um, beyond traditional banking institutions. So that's my one suggestion. Um, I think credit unions sometimes for small businesses can offer other services and build relationships in ways that we know some of our, with no d disrespect to them, some of our larger banking institutions sometimes are not as community focused. So I just hope that we'll consider that in the scoring process, but you have my full support. Thank you. Commissioner Burton. Thank you. Stephanie, thank you so much. I really want to commend you and Katie. I know this time two years ago, we had several meetings, and I was like, we got to do something. We have to do something for our LBEs because they're not going to survive the pandemic. You know, we were focusing on our tenants and the restaurants, but the ones that were working on our major development projects just couldn't afford to the lag times and the uncertainty of what was going on. So I want to applaud you and Katie for taking the ball and creating our first temporary program, but now taking it to a new level. And you should be so proud of yourself that the city is looking at implementing this. You guys have done a phenomenal job. There's my word, phenomenal. <laughs> um, and so I just have a couple questions. So. TTX is going to implement the RFP for us, and then are they considering putting any money into this, or how are they trying to work with other city departments to expand this program? So I will start, and then maybe Tejal, who's on the line, can also jump in. One of the things that, I'm gonna give you a long answer. With the, with the short-term program, we could use a CDFI because they're not actually a bank the way a regular traditional bank is. And as we were looking into, you know, you saw the, in both the strategic plan and the REAP, we talked about a bank. So one of the initial hurdles that we were figuring out is, how do we actually work with a bank and not a CDFI? And in doing that, we realized the right entity in the city to do that is actually TTX. They're the only, in fact, they're the only entity in the city that could say, we're gonna work with that bank. These are the terms, we talk directly to the bank. So this is both a partnership, but it's also a requirement that we do it this way. What TTX has already done is reached out to other city departments to identify who else might be interested in putting funds towards a similar type of initiative. Um, and that is not something that we as a port would do alone. So that's already kind of a, a way that um, TTX has really been invaluable in thinking through. As for TTX possibly putting money towards the project, that I don't know. And, Hagel, if you're on the line, uh, you can you can also jump in with probably your also your version of I don't know either. Yeah, 
Well, first of all, um, I hope you can hear me. Um, good afternoon. I'm really sorry that I'm not there on this beautiful day. I had a meeting that just butt up against your time. Um, and again, I want to commend Stephanie, um, Director Forbes, and Katie for really, really focusing on this and, and really putting their heart and soul and sort of really figuring out the poignant pain points and clearly through the vision and leadership of the commission. Um, so it's been really exciting for us to work on. This is something we've been hearing a lot about also with a lot of the departments and a lot of the small businesses that we work with. Um, a short answer to the most poignant question is, will our organization, the treasurer's office, um, also do underwriting? At this moment in time, we're not conceiving of it, mostly because we don't have the requirements as many of the large enterprise departments do in relationships to LBEs. And the contracts that we have don't have the kind of largesse um, and work that um, an LBE normally and traditionally has in relationship to the scope of work that we have. Um, we did reach out to many departments and we got a lot of favorable responses. Um, so, so far, the departments that have said that they would be interested in um, participating in this type of program um, after the port and after our lessons with the port are accomplished um, is the library the city administrator's office, MTA, airport PC, and recreation and park. And so we feel really confident that the growth trajectory is there. In terms of the banking partners, um, we would be reaching out uh, definitely also with the credit unions to the commissioner's request. And, um, and that's definitely part of our core um, uh, list of banks um, that we reach out to as part of the federal home loan, the, the San Francisco Federal Bank. Um, so I wanted to be very specific about that and answer that question. Um, and I can, I'm open to any questions also um, commissioners may have. I do want to also add that part of the design is that we would support your LBEs in doing the application process so that that is also not an obstacle for them. Um, and the other thing is that we would meet with the banks, with the port staff regularly to see and check in on the LBEs to make sure that if there is some hiccups or if they're having some challenges, we're able to bring some coaching to them in a timely manner um, before they are in a, in a situation that causes them jeopardy. Thank you. And so as far as RFP solicitation, is, is, is the size of the fund um, a component or can you do it just on the port's behalf or do you have to have five or 10 or $15 million to, for people to respond to? So what are, what are they actually responding to? So at this moment in time, oh, go ahead. No, Tate, go, go, go for it. Um, at this moment in time, all we've said in our RFP is that there's a possible expansion to these other departments, but we've only specifically spoken about the port itself. Um, and we think that the benefit obviously is for the, the various companies to see the potential progress that the contract with the beginning stages would be specifically for the port with the option to add more departments um, based on the success and based on the performance of the bank and based on interest as well. Great, thank you. And so also within the RFP, are we requesting that these institutions develop relation, relationships with whoever qualifies under this program within a certain time limit, say like if you're successful with your line of credit for three years and you automatically get, you know, will pre-qualify for a 
align with the bank so that it frees up this? I mean, what's the progression of? We've not stipulated an ongoing relationship. Um, clearly, that would be the it's within the bank's sort of purview to determine the sort of factors of which they would want to do. Um, as Stephanie has really designed and articulated, the hope and the reason why we've chosen bank banking partners as the port did is so that those relationships can form and ferment um, and so that they can progress, which is why we've added to this scope the financial coaching component specifically so that we can work with the LBEs that get these lines of credits and then work with them to establish that kind of relationship. Um, it's also why we're stipulating within the RFP that we, the treasurer's office, as well as our financial empowerment office, meet regularly with the bank to check in on the LBEs and really see how that progress is and then talk about product growth. Um, we really see this as an opportunity um, within our Office of Financial Empowerment to sort of work with banks to really start tailoring their products to better meet small businesses, um, recognizing that very significant need that's out there, and I'm um, hoping that this really sort of showcases those needs and inspires them or really pushes them to create products that meet those needs. Thank you. Thank you. And I really like the impact measurements that you've put in place. I think that's great and, and will uh, give us a lot of information on the success of the program. Really want to congratulate you and thank you for the partnership. Sounds encouraging. Thank you. Commissioner Gilman. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just had two follow-up questions from this conversation. So I guess my first question is, has the RFP already been issued? No. no. It is not. No. It is. Okay. Uh, so then I guess my other question, I just want to clarify my comment, um, since normally when we issue RFPs, you know, the scoring criteria, the panel, all of that comes to us, I understand that you're issuing the, this RFP on our behalf with our funds. I guess I was looking from a scoring criteria that um, credit unions, if they're competitive on other measures, sort of like when an LBE applies for something, to me in some ways credit unions are similar versus large banking institutions, that they should have some weighted weighted benefit to applying for this fund. That was that doesn't mean you have to take my comment and, and execute it, but I just wanted to be clear on what my comment was. Understood. Yes, I understood. Thank you. Any other comments or questions? Thank you both. We really appreciate this yes. presentation. And good luck. Thank you. <laughs> Carl, next item, please. Item 12A is an informational presentation on PG&E Pier 39 to 43 and a half offshore sediment remediation project. Commissioners and welcome Commissioner Lee. My name is Catherine Purcell. I work in the Ports Planning and Environment Division. As detailed in the staff. Sorry report, to interrupt. Could you get a little closer to the microphone? Thank you. As detailed in the staff report provided, um, 
and then we provided an initial information presentation in march of two thousand nineteen and an update in october twenty twenty on the pier thirty nine to forty three and a half sediment remediation project which is being performed by pacific gas and electric with support from port i'm pleased to be here today to provide the port commission and the public a status report on this project and the work PG&E continues to perform in compliance with requirements from the San Francisco Regional Water Quality Control Board. Today's presentation will briefly review background to the site, milestones completed since my October 2020 update, and details on PG&E's cleanup plan schedule, pre-construction coordination, and stakeholder engagement currently underway. As shown here on this figure, PG&E and its predecessors operated a manufactured gas plant, or what we call an MGP, between Jefferson and Beach Streets from the early 1900s to approximately 1931. This MGP was sold in the 50s, demolished, and then in 63, a hotel was constructed on this block. In 97, as part of a hotel expansion, soil investigation and contaminated soils were excavated and removed from the site. Fast forward to 2011 and 13, the port's tenant, Pier 39, identified what are called polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons or PAHs in sediment in the Pier 39 East and West basins related to the historic manufactured gas plant. In 2017, the Water Board ordered PG&E as a primary responsible party for the PAHs in the sediment and the port as the property owner to further investigate these offshore sediments. The bounded area on this figure represents what became our investigation area extending from the shoreline to approximately a thousand feet offshore. As shown on this graph, PG&E with port cooperation and oversight have responded to water board orders since approximately 2014, completing over five years of remedial investigation work, followed by the submittal of a draft feasibility study remedial action plan in October of 2020. Today's update will detail milestones completed since we last presented to you in October 2020. This includes PG&E's submittal of a final FS wrap that addressed agency comments on the draft. As the lead agency for this project, the Water Board also completed the CEQA initial study for the proposed cleanup plan. And then finally, the Water Board adopted what is called a CEQA mitigated negative declaration in February of 2022 and then they issued a cleanup and abatement order to PG&E and the port detailing the site cleanup requirements. <coughs> Prior to approving the FS wrap or the mitigated neg deck, the Water Board completed public notice for review and comment on the proposed cleanup plan. 
and the environmental findings in the CEQA document. PG&E held project review meetings with the port, with Pier 39, Blue and Gold, and Red and White Fleet in October 2021, and again just this past May 2022. PG&E Water Board and Port staff also provided information, presentations, and discussed the proposed plan in the Port's Northern Advisory Committee September 2021 meeting and then in the Southern Advisory Committee October and December meetings. I want to point out that as a result of SAC stakeholder feedback on concerns about potential environmental justice and public health impacts from PG&E's proposal to rehandle dredge materials down at the Port Pier 96 property, um, as well as critical path project scheduling, PG&E withdrew its lease application for the Pier 96 wharf and terminal areas. So that portion of work is no longer part of our project. No part of what? I'm sorry. Um, PG&E operating a material handling facility at Pier 96 is no longer a part of the project that we're talking about today. PG&E is now pursuing, pursuing setting up their construction staging and dredge rehandling operation in Antioch, <coughs> California. As shown on this uh, figure, the remediation plan is a require the order, the remediation order requires PG&E to finalize plans and remediate sediments contaminated by historic manufactured gas plant operations located beneath the bay floor in the offshore areas shown on this map from Pier 39 to Pier 43 and a half. The contaminated sediments pose potential hazards to fish and other marine organisms and the bay ecology, which triggered the water board order. The sediments do not pose hazards to humans. The Water Board order approves the recommended remediation plan that will include dredging, capping, post-construction monitoring, and post-construction institutional controls. As shown on this figure, remediation will be performed in five areas designated Area A, B, C, D, and E. Based on the 2020 estimate presented in PG&E's FS wrap, the total estimated cost for PG&E to implement this plan was at $211 million. Yeah. Per this updated schedule, PG&E will begin construction in 2023, complete construction by area over a five-year period ending in 2027. PG&E contractors would mobilize spring of each year, followed by construction activities from June through November during what are called in-water regulatory work windows. Work is assumed to take place Monday through Saturday during daytime hours. Construction sequencing will include mobilizing waterside barges and equipment, followed by the in-water construction work, which will include demolition, dredging contaminated sediments, installing clean cap sand and rock materials, 
and then site restoration. As construction equipment will be waterside, the project does not, anticipating, does not anticipate impacting landside traffic, parking, public and pedestrian access to Pier 39, or the visitor experience along the northern waterfront during the busy summer seasons of each year construction will take place. The Water Board will enforce PG&E's implementation of a mitigation monitoring and reporting program that is required and detailed under the order. Construction contractors will be required to implement environmental protections, including those listed on this slide. Third-party field inspectors will be used to observe and document field operations and ensure compliance with the monitoring plans, including those protecting the community health. As shown here, the PG&E PG team in collaboration with port staff are performing a number of critical path pre-construction coordination tasks to support remediation of area A and B. This is currently scheduled to begin in May of 2023 with mobilization, followed by remediation June to November 2023. PG&E's work on the project is also has undergone extensive review by the Water Board, state, and other federal agencies. PG&E is now engaged in agency consultation and working to obtain project permits by the early 2023 from all of the agencies listed here including Corps of Engineers, Water Board, BCDC, and other agencies. These permits will require PG&E to take measures to avoid or minimize environmental impacts and compensate for fill in the bay and disturbance to bay habitat. I think it's important to note that all of PG&E's work to date including the remediation plan basis of design documents, 30% design, 60%, has undergone extensive review by port staff and technical consultants working with the port. Their PG&E is currently working to complete 100% design submittals and obtain the final authorizations required under the Water Board order. We anticipate PG&E applying for a port building permit for the area A and B remediation later this year. This application would include 100% plans and specs and all of the approved, agency approved environmental monitoring plans. I wanna note that PG&E site investigation work to date has been performed under a port license and use agreement and approved investigation work plans tied to that agreement. In addition, port staff and port consultant costs associated with the past five years investigations have been reimbursed by PG&E to the port. Later this year, port staff will work with PG&E to develop a port license and use agreement and a reimbursement agreement tied to the remediation project. As shown here, port staff continue to work with PG&E on involving and informing our tenants, our stakeholders, to understand this complex multi-year remediation project. 
PG&E has begun scheduling pre-construction monthly meetings with tenants who will be directly impacted during construction. These working group meetings, as we're calling them, will begin with Red and White Fleet later this month, followed by Pier 39 and Blue and Gold Fleet next month, and will include the topics listed here. Included in these working group meetings are Port Real Estate, Maritime, and Engineering staff who are focused on ensuring that construction minimizes impacts to tenant operations and community uses in the project areas. I also want to note that PG&E is working directly with the Pier 39 and the Red and White Fleet management to form cost agreements for reimbursement of incremental costs associated with impacts to their operations due to contamination. And finally, I want to note that public participations and briefings have fostered open dialogue between the port staff, our waterfront tenants and stakeholders, advisory committee meetings, and the public. Issuance of the order indicates that the Water Board determined the proposed remedial action is accepted as the preferred remedy that, the, that will address contaminated sediments. The remedial design will accommodate current and future vessel operations, maintenance dredge depths, and maritime uses within this site. Once completed, the remediation will achieve cleanup of the site and will not interfere with our maritime operations. Um, port staff, myself, I anticipate returning to the Port Commission in the fall of 2023, <coughs> approximately a year from now, with an update on the first year of construction. This concludes my presentation, and I'm happy to answer any questions or make clarifications. Catherine, thank you for your presentation. Now let's open it up for public comment. Is there any public comment in the room? Seeing none, Corey will provide instructions now for re our remote participants. Thank you, Vice President Brandon. At this time, we will open the queue for anyone on the phone who would like to make public comment on item 12A. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. The system will let you know when your line is open. Others will wait on mute until their line is open. Comments will be limited to three minutes per person. The queue is now open. Please dial star three if you wish to make public comment. We seem to have one person on the line. Please open the line. Oh, line is open now. Appreciate that. Uh, my name is Francisco Costa. And I've been the factor of environmental justice advocacy. This matter and this presentation is very important to all San Franciscans. You commissioners know that the 7.5 mile public trust land is unique because it involves the participation of the community. Not only here in San Francisco, but all of California. 
outreach has not been done. I repeat, outreach has not been done. Notices have to be sent at least to our libraries where people are informed. And a lot of the permits that PGNE has got and the public has to be involved. We are talking about contamination. We are talking about a larger area that has been marked. As you commissioners know, with some businesses that have closed down, we have been at their place for over 50 years. Large Water Fish Company, for example, and one of her children being adversely impacted because of contamination. So, this is not about PGE and some regulatory agencies. The only agency that I trust is the Corps of Engineers. You have one commissioner sitting over there who knows that the role that the regional water has played. played. The regional water board does not do deep to San Franciscans. Thank you, Mr. DaCosta. Are there any other callers? At this time, there are no other members of the public on the phone wishing to make public comment on this item. Public comment is closed. Commissioner Gilman? Um, I want to thank you for your report. Um, this is a very critical issue, and despite the concerns raised by our public comment, I actually want to commend you on the outreach, particularly with the impacted businesses, Pier 39, um, red and white, blue and gold, et cetera, and your community outreach in such an important matter. Um, I have no questions. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Lee. Um, <clears throat> I do have a question. Uh, I see the dredging is going to take out a lot of the, uh, the bursts, you know, the boat slips. And I know they said there's possible reloca relocation, but it also is, uh, they're going to be probably lo loss of income, correct? Has they determined how much income that might be impacted to? Now, I'm still new, so is the, is the slips part of the port or is actually the revenue of the tenant at Pier 39? So, um, Currently, working group meetings with each of the individual tenants Port, real estate, maritime, PG&E star, are starting. And under those meetings, they're going to evaluate as they go through each area, beginning with red and white area A, what kind of temporary relocation is available to minimize impact uh, within the area so their business would continue. 
any kind of cost reimbursement related to loss of business will be subject to the negotiated cost agreements between PG&E and the port and PG&E and each of those tenants that are currently in process of development. Um, the tenants are retaining consultants to work with them on relo temporary relocation options and on the cost of that relocation or loss of business. We have not seen any of that information. So, so you're still in discovery for yeah. this. Um, so how long do you anticipate to be dredging? You know, I mean, is it a year they're going to be out or? No, the, the schedule for the work is basically shown in this schedule here. Um, you start construction, in-water construction, dredging. June 1st is the earliest you can begin. There will be demolition first, followed by dredging. And the amount of dredging is not a huge amount, so it could be anywhere from four to eight weeks in each area at, you know, as they proceed with their dredging um, in area A, B, C, D. Area E, which is the farthest, the last project at the Pier 39 East Basin is the largest volume, and that may be span over two years. But the dredging piece of it is a couple of months within the work because they have to demo dredge, put down clean sand, put down clean rock armor, mm -hmm. and then be out of there by November 30th. So you're looking at about six months. It's a six-month in water. So activity. each slip value, you know, to the tenant, I mean, to the master leaseholder so much. So I guess PG&E will figure out the costs of that as part of their... Um, you know, it's part of the uh, cost of doing this cleanup. Yeah, the cost agreements being negotiated between the tenant, legal counsel, and PG&E are working towards those components. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, that's important because, you know, it's good revenue for the tenant, and we just don't want, you know, COVID, we're still recovering, so I just don't want any more issues, you know? Our maritime and our real estate staff participating in the working groups are closely looking at how to minimize impact with temporary relocation for the vessels and landside signage and passenger access. Um, and so all of this is this critical path work from now to get them into a construction mode next May. That's great. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Burton? Just idle curiosity. Where's the hotel? Um, so on this map, so on this map, the hotel is not on port property. It's between Mason Beach. Which Powell. hotel is it? Do you know? Um, you know, I don't know. It's changed names a couple. No, it's not the Argonaut. That's further down. Um, it's changed names a few times, and I'm sorry, I don't know the name of the the current name. I can follow up and get you that. That's just idle curiosity. That's all. Thank you. Good. I thought a pretty informative report. Catherine, thank you again for your presentation. I think most of my questions were answered. It sounds like a very complex project and um, I'm glad that we are 
working with our tenants and working with our advisory committees and working with everyone involved in this to make sure it's, it doesn't have a lot of impact. I know it will impact some, but it sounds like the planning process has been long enough to be able to find great solutions to upcoming problems. Thank you. Thank you. Carl, next item, please. That would be item 13, new business. Commissioners, do we have any new business? Commissioners, I've recorded two items so far. One is to receive the correspondence regarding Hornblower and the NLR NLRB election and distribute that to you and see if there is further action at a, for, at a future commission meeting. Second was uh, a request as SFMTA comes back for their Embarcadero enhancement project item to also bring back um, discussion and recommendations of potential actions this commission can take with your authority to further deconflict the promenade. Um, but is, is there any other new business? Um, you know, there's so many great programs that are coming up right now, and I'm just curious on if we can discuss how we can do more publicity to the, you know, the general public about possible, you know, lease programs that may be available. I don't know if we have such a, a department, you know, uh, you know, that we can maybe, um, you know, uh, maybe beef up a little bit to get more? Because I know that a, a lot of people out there don't know what's available on the port. So I'm just wondering if that could be in the future sometime. Would, would you like an information presentation on leasing opportunities? Leasing, um, yes, yeah, space available. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, mm -hmm. anything. I mean, even the, the, the loan program uh, is something that's great, you know, that people don't really maybe know that's available. Um, so uh, it sounds like it's sort of more of a summary of how we're outreaching about um, our different leasing opportunities and other programs we offer. Yeah, mo yeah, you've got a lot of programs here that are great, and I don't think the, the public really knows a lot of them. So I'm just wondering if we could beef it up a little bit. Okay, that makes sense. I'll, I'll yeah. speak with Director Forbes and we'll try to put something together and maybe talk with you about it offline yeah. to see what could, what could be useful. Okay, great. Mike, I was hoping possibly this year, if, if, if the schedule um, allows or beginning of Q1 of next year, um, I'd like this to really also revisit um, our signage and wayfinding. Um, many of our signs are in disrepair or are outdated or have been vandalized. And I think it's a hallmark of the waterfront, both historically and pointing to our neighborhoods that border us, Bayview, um, um, sorry, um, Bayview, Chinatown, North Beach, and Dog Pack. So I just would love us to look at wayfinding and signage. Um, and I think that also goes to something Commissioner Lee was saying too, which is a little different, is like what our communication strategy is. Uh, I forgot to mention, I, I had the honor of buying um, first day salmon was available off the boat. Um, I went and bought eight pounds of it. Um, but I, I need to say I had a, hard, a very hard time even with all the directions and being a commissioner and using GPS figuring out where I was going to find my off the boat um, fish. So I think just maybe also, um, tying into what Commissioner Lee said, what our comm strategy really is beyond just pointing to the website or to Instagram, which I love. That's how I found my fish. But I just think we could be doing more in, in that regard. 
Okay, Th those both make sense, and I think we definitely would share those goals of making sure people are aware of all the good work we're doing. Yeah. So um, we'll try to put something together on both both counts and, and come back with you. Yeah, it's really celebrating everything you guys are doing. Sounds good. Any other new business? If not, can I have a motion to adjourn? I make a motion that we adjourn. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? The meeting is adjourned at 4.50 p.m.? Yeah. Madam Chair? Yeah. What are the benefits of those lights that keep blinding me? <laughs> for, the, for, for the camera. <laughs> so you can look.